We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. This is my best spell, your highness. It removes the stinkiness from my dirty socks. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for yet another co-odd edition of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely Halifax. How's it going, guys? It's... I realize it's probably not going all that well for people, but I am here to bring you some entertainment, and uh, that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna jump right into what's new at lowbiasgaming.net because today's show is a bit jam-packed with our guest. So let's get right to it. Scarlet brings us 10 new episodes of Dusk. Uh, Jason with two new episodes, at least two anyway, of uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Probably some more somewhere in here, but there is a bunch of stuff he's still re-uploading. I'm not seeing Final Fantasy again in there, so that might be it. Uh, Jason as well with two, uh, five rather new episodes of Minecraft. Uh, a let's play of a game called 1980X. And Scarlet also brings us three episodes of a new Let's Play Sonic Unleashed. Uh, we also have some new soundtracks. We have uh, Adventures of Dino Ricky and Adventures of Lolo 2. So yeah, let's jump right into some music because like I said, there's going to be a lot to cover in this episode. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by Hirohiko Takayama and Kenji Eno, and it is the stage one theme of today's game from the archives. Hot dogs on legs, jumping eggs, flying apple slices, hungry hamburger buns, pants shooting, fried shrimp. What's going on? Ever since the mad chef Odev stole the Eaton restaurant from Cookie, strange things have been happening. To win back the Eaton, Cookie must face a restaurant that has come to life. 
Mutant food and appliances are just eager to cook Cookie, but Cookie knows his way around the restaurant, so armed with just a few simple kitchen tools, he is going to challenge Odove and the army of mutants. And that was um, the back of the box for Panic Restaurant. Uh, it's a platformer game developed uh, by EIM, published by Taito and released in 1992 for the Nintendo. And a uh, short little thing, not very long, you can probably get through it in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, at least that's what the long play would tell you. And that's just about what um, Jade would tell you as well with his video for uh, the Low Bias Monthly for December? March? It says March here, but it says December there. It's one of the two, and it's probably this one. Good games with bad box art. That sounds about right. <clears throat> um, so yeah, we'll get that figured out, but uh, in the meantime, short little video over on lowbiasgaming.net.
that was Fluorescent by Psagrin, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird, and uh, for this uh, Co-Odd 20 uh, series that we're doing right now, I do have a guest, as usual, for the news of the weird. Hello. Hi. How are you? Who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I go by Axe Immortal on the uh, interwebs, as the uh, kids are calling it these days. Are you sure they're calling it that? I'm almost... It's either that or the information superhighway. One of those two very catchy terms. Possibly also a series of tubes. Yes, very much it's all just tubes and tubes. There's no ones or zeros here. Absolutely. (laughs) We bumped it up by a a number. There you go. We're always always trying to... uh to take one step forward where absolutely nothing like that is warranted. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're going to be doing this news thing together here. And as usual, I do not read these stories ahead of time and some of these may not jive well with all audiences. This segment is usually about 13-15 minutes long, although uh, it can be a little longer with a guest around. Although there are only eight stories um, in this one, which is definitely shorter than usual so it might be around regular length is what i'm trying to say anyway take all that as you will uh go ahead with the lead story axe all right so uh our lead story today is just simply titled florida i mean of course i that what more do you need it (laughs) says it all in the title yes uh Police in Pinellas County, Florida, responded to the Clearwater Mall late on March 22nd, where witnesses had reported a woman screaming in a parked car. According to an arrest affidavit, the officers discovered the woman and Robert Janish, age 21, quote-unquote wrestling with each other in their birthday suits. Okay. Off to a, we're off to a good start. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only way to wrestle, truly, is in the nude. That's that's kind of a scientific fact. That's how the Greek did it. <laughs> and look, they knew what they were doing, okay? <laughs> um, so the, the couple told police that after they had intercourse, the woman went to urinate outside the car using a napkin to wipe herself, which she then accidentally threw on Janish, prompting an argument. This is just... <laughs> gets better and better. With every I step. know, right? Um... Uh, The affidavit, they got that in there twice, I appreciate that, stated the argument escalated to the point that Janish choked his girlfriend, but he contended the marks on her neck occurred earlier at the beach. WFLA reported Janish was arrested for domestic battery. Okay, so the the marks occurred earlier at the beach, but how? Um, hmm... Hmm. That's, uh, that's my question right now. It's like, how do you explain them? It's great I, to say that it didn't happen just now, but how did it happen? Well, unless they're roving from location to location and just getting it on at location to location, which may be a thing. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. 
just to read the news. Indeed. In fact, we should probably just step away from this story before it gets a little too saucy around here. <laughs> um, so I got let's... nothing for that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Signs of the apocalypse, as if we needed more. <clears throat> Stuart Gatt, also known as Stewie the Snakecatcher, was summoned to a yard in Ardeer, Victoria, Australia in mid-March, where he bagged up a female tiger snake in order to relocate it in the wild. But when Gatt opened the bag a short time later, he discovered the snake had given birth to several offspring, one of which had two heads. According to United Press International, Gatt took the snakes to direct vet services and had them checked over. The usual one-headed babies were fine, but the two-headed specimen had to be euthanized. These animals are not generally viable, so it was euthanized on humane grounds, the clinic posted on its Facebook page. Mom and babies were returned to the wild, according to plan. We really scaled back the sauciness with this one. Yeah, a little bit. It's going from a trouser snake to a two-headed snake. Oh, Magus. Appreciate that. <laughs> as, long okay. as, we, as, lo as long as we don't mix the two, that's fine. Ha! Mm, ha! What will science do next? Maybe, I, maybe we should just... Okay, Move on I, to the next one? That sounds like Yeah, before I get kicked off of my 5 p.m. slot. <laughs> We're having a rough time with this one, aren't we? Apparently. Uh, okay, so uh, the next uh, the next one's just simply titled Boobs. I get the simple ones. You get the nice long ones. I get the simple ones. So far, anyway. Vicar Simon Beach, uh, 61, of St. Boudot Parish Church in Plymouth, England, was uncomfortable enough as he launched into his first virtual church service on March 22nd, calling it surreal. That was a long sentence. <laughs> But as he leaned into the camera to deliver the final portion of his sermon, he looked to his left and calmly deadpanned, Oh dear, I've just caught fire. <laughs> Beach had leaned a bit too close to one of several nearby candles and ignited his sleeve. He was quoted as saying, I just felt my arm getting a bit hot, he told Metro News. The flame damaged his sweater and shirt but did not burn his skin. Beach was teased a bit by his fellow vicars who razzed him for being on fire for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that differently in other places, but yeah, sure, people have left and left. Really, Beach said. Oh dear, I've just caught fire. It sounds like such a such a British comedy thing. I, uh, yeah, and I mean it's England, so it's very uh, very much on uh, on, on track. For, Brits are nice people. They are. Yes. Alright, uh, next story, crafting during the coronavirus, because <clears throat> that's still a thing, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Steve Walton of Shotley Bridge, England, here we are in England again, took a bad spill in 2018 and after a series of surgeries, had to have the lower part of his leg amputated in January. He was scheduled to be fitted with a prosthetic leg in mid-March, but his appointment was delayed because of the coronavirus crisis. That was when his wife, Achari, went to work making a leg for him using a bucket, fiberglass, resin, and wood. Uh, I don't like the sound of this. Yeah, well, the first attempt kept falling off. Uh, it was more akin uh, to something Long John Silver would wear, Walton said. But Miss Walton refined her project using a moon boot, and it worked. 
My wife is very practical. She can turn her hand to anything, Walton told the BBC. I'm not going to use this regularly, but it will be good for getting around the house for the next three to six months. There are people far worse off than me at the minute. A moon boot. Now, weren't those that, uh, that toy that you got with the strap and you just kind of like bounced around on them? Yeah. <laughs> I, that's kind of be difficult taking one step normally and then the other step launching you two feet in the air. <laughs> I feel like that's, that would be very impractical and a little difficult getting around the house, especially down the stairs. A little bit, yeah. Um, but hey, if it works, I guess. <laughs> All right, what's our, what's our next one here? Oh, okay. This one's titled Least Competent Criminal. Oh, lovely. I, I used to love those books. You remember those books, like The World's Worst Criminals, and they always had like these really funny stories of people just... Um, I always loved those books. I'm... Well, I, I went to French school, so I don't think we had the same books you did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kenneth Braden, age 65, filled his shopping cart at a Nashville area Kroger store with essentials. Five cases of beer and two packets of to packages of toilet paper. On I mean, March 11th... Uh, th what more do you need? Just <laughs> beer and toilet paper. Uh, on March 11th, then bypassed the checkout lane, according to court documents. As he attempted to leave the store, he tripped the alarm sensors at the door and the wheels on his cart locked up. After several unsuccessful attempts to move the cart, he fled the store. WZTV reported Metro Police later picked him up and charged him with theft of merchandise and driving on a suspended license. I mean... Hmm. So, pro tip, if you're gonna crime, don't do it when your license is suspended because that makes things even worse. Yeah, just a, just a little bit, yeah. Also, if, this station does not condone doing crimes. Please don't no. do crimes. Uh, as I like to say, if you're going to do something bad, do it right. But better yet, don't do bad things at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with that suspended license, that's, um, that's definitely jail time. Yeah, probably. But um, it's was it worth it for those five cases of beer and two packages of toilet paper? I mean, the... First of all, the, the, the toilet paper, they didn't report this, but it was definitely four-ply. And, you know, I do terrible things for four-ply. So, I think Del so. Delicious, delicious toilet paper. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that has to be why people are stockpiling it, right? It must be edible. Uh, and people are discovering <laughs> this now. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, just thinking but... of fruit, 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 fruit roll-up style toilet paper and life is just terrible. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just peel it off the, the cellophane and go to town. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. God. Uh, how about a lesson learned? Because <laughs> we definitely need one of those right about now. <clears throat> uh, Taiwan has strictly cracked down on its citizens during the COVID-19 pandemic using GPS on phones to monitor the movement of those in quarantine. One man got to a particularly costly lesson when he violated the quarantine to go clubbing, AFP reported. The unnamed man, who was required to self-quarantine for 14 days after returning from Southeast Asia, was charged 1 million Taiwanese dollars, about 33,000 US, after he was found at a Taipei nightclub on March 22nd. Authorities deemed his night out malicious, and the new Taipei mayor, Hu Yu Yi, 
I hope I pronounced that correctly, warned I will not be soft-handed. So yeah, I mean, if you if you possibly have it, please stay indoors. Yes. Be be responsible and please be reasonable. But one thing that I do wonder is how how are people able to properly charge an unnamed person? I, I'm sure they're just they're un, unnaming him for the uh, the report because sometimes they'll do that. I don't know, man. There is. There are a lot of unnamed people in News of the Weird. I, I'm thinking it's some sort of revolution. Or it's it's just like an uprising of people who just never had a name. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the, um, what is it, the Terrible Faceless in Game of Thrones? I didn't watch that. I avoided it. Oh, it wasn't my fair thing. enough. I'm more a Terry Pratchett kind of high fantasy. Fair enough. Um, let's see, we got a, we got actually a couple more here. Um, yes, two more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is about neighbors helping neighbor. Uh, this takes place in Richfield, Wisconsin. Neighbors Eric Trzinski and Trevor Reinke have missed sharing a beer while they are socially isolated. So Trzinski came up with a novel idea. He is a car guy and happened to have a spare exhaust tip that was the perfect size to hold a bottle of beer. <laughs> oh no, anything involving cars and I have a great idea and then beer. <laughs> Us using zip ties, he strapped the tip to a remote control car, then dropped a bottle of Corona, yes on purpose, into the pipe. He called Reinke, told him to start videotaping, and Reinke caught the little delivery as it zoomed across a busy street and up his driveway, delivering the cold brew in his hands. Huh, okay. Straczynski's Facebook post featured the video racked up more than 5 million views. He told Fox 6 News on March 24th. So, you know, that's a positive ending. That's uplifting. Yeah. Uh, th this could have hit, this could have ended up just terrible. Yeah, you know, beer and DIY projects tends to not go well in news stories, so it's nice to have a, a, a positive ending. Yeah, I agree. I mean... It's is definitely weird, which fits the bill, but mm -hmm. not all weird things have to be stupid, basically. Or terrible. Not everything has to end badly. Exactly. And our last story for today is not funny. So we're just going to skip it. Uh, no. <clears throat> um, Actually, uh, kind of a disclaimer, this happened near me, this story. Oh. <clears throat> so have you heard of this story happening, or...? Yes, I actually uh, I was telling people about it in a number of our, our uh, a number of groups that you're in and I'm in. Hmm. Yeah, but go ahead. All right. Um, I I might I might have uh, I might have missed it in those groups, but uh, it's it's hard to catch everything when you don't have proper home internet. <laughs> anyway, okay. Joe Fasula co-owner of Garrity's Supermarket in Hanover Township, Pennsylvania, had a very challenging day on March 25th. A woman who claimed she had the coronavirus, later identified by police as Margaret Churko, quote, came into the store and proceeded to purposely cough on our fresh produce and small section of our bakery, meat case, and grocery, he wrote on Facebook. Please do not do this. 
That's why the title is yeah. not funny. Yeah. Um, while the staff, quote, did the best they could to get the woman out of the store as fast as possible, unquote, he said, the health department had to help disinfect the store and the, quote, twisted prank resulted in the loss of $35,000 worth of food. The Philadelphia Inquirer reports the Luzerne County District Attorney's Office has charged Sherco with threatening to use weapons of mass destruction in making terroristic threats. It is not known whether the woman has COVID-19. Uh, not so sure like, about <laughs> the level of charging there, but... Um, well, technically, on a technical level, it is biological terrorism because you are basically using a, a, a virus to cause fear and pain. That is true. I'm not going to argue with that. Um, and COVID-19 is dangerous. You know, we, we can't understate enough how dangerous it is. So yes. it is technically could be considered a, a weapon of mass destruction in its own own right if used as a weapon. So please yeah. be safe and please be, be considerate. Yeah, that's... Uh, a good way to round off that story. <laughs> I wish it didn't round off the entire news of the weird, but I guess with everyone locked in their homes, well, not necessarily locked, but staying in their homes, there's less news to go around. So, mm -hmm. there you go. Uh, so yeah, let's go on to some music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
that was Mar with The City is Glitching, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. I'm Coolio, if you don't know, and I am yet joined by... Axe Immortal. Yes, and it is time for the dialogue box, in which we shall be hanging out and talking about various things. And what those things are, well, who knows? Um, but we, we are sure def- don't. We are definitely going to start with um, the point of how we met, which is uh, over at the um, Retro Rank Rhapsody um, stream, basically. Stream slash online podcast. It, you know, it combines a, a live stream, and then there's sort of a, a podcast offshoot called Media Delta, where we yes. delve into other media forms based off of video games. And someday I shall be on Media Delta. So help me, goat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, and that and that thing is uh, it's not run by me or you. That's run by our mutual friend uh, Lolo the Puzzle. Yes. Want to want to make that clear? It's not our thing. It's something we guessed on, or uh, uh, something our, so far. Of- so far, you guessed on. Right, but I, I mean, being being a viewer is still. I think counts as being a guest of a program because you're yeah. taking part in it in your own way. You're not vocally on it, but you are there through through typing. That That is true. And I, I would like at some point to be in the voice call, but right now is not the time, seeing as, you know, no yeah, internet. Once things stable out. Yeah, once things stable out, you know, I, I already talked to him and he, he's got you all set up, so. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you should, you're welcome to join in. Sweet. All right. Um, and we we did recently, well, a couple of months ago at this point, but kind of recently, did a thing for um, Virtual Rank Rhapsody. Uh, I had requested an episode about ZZT, and um, it turns out that Axe here is kind of a ZZT guy. Yeah, I actually got my start in internet communities as well as game development uh, through ZZT back in 2002. And um, I was I was terrible at it, but... Uh, <laughs> I think we all were. But it was actually you, specifically, that made me want to jump back into it. Uh, and then when I, I... I half jokingly brought up the idea of us doing a game together specifically for... Uh, I think it was January 25th this episode took place. And Thanks it was so. really, yeah, and it was just a way to kind of pay homage and tribute or whatever you want to call it to, to Lolo and to Retro Rank Rhapsody. Um, our original idea was much broader in scope than Final Product. Yeah, and, and then my life went in directions. <laughs> yeah, some unfortunate <laughs> stuff happened. Uh, so we kind of work together to compartmentalize, and, and it's a, it's a good thing about game development is the the idea that you got you got to be able to reduce scope when necessary for whatever reasons. And yeah. you know it was it was good that we were able to build up uh, at least one mechanic, one idea, because we were going to do a bunch of different genres. Yeah. But then we were able to just sort of turn it into a quiz game, and then. 
from there it was me just kind of going through a lot of episodes <laughs> and a lot of, I, I was reading that list for quite a while picking out games watching the episodes trying to grab little bits of trivia that would make good questions um yeah i oh, oh my fight you um I, the stars uh, are shining down tonight. <laughs> but uh, I did actually finally get to watch that episode like yesterday. Oh, good. Um, I was able to obtain a copy of it and. Um, a copy. <laughs> well, download a copy anyway. It is free media, so it's not like it's legal or anything. I just, no, I'm picturing like an actual VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> Keep circulating the tapes. Absolutely. The uh, retro so Rancrasity tapes. So you weren't able to be there for the live performance, but I'm really curious about how you felt about how you felt about uh, everybody's reaction to it. Um, I, well, I as did. As well as the final product. Yeah, I did. I did definitely get the sense of like, well, going going into this, people didn't really have very much of an expectation for it. And then it ended up filling the entire three-hour slot. So it was that's, great. It was, that's saying something. It was great, too, because I told Lolo not to, to actually play it beforehand. I begged yeah. him to just go in sight unseen because I wanted an absolutely pure reaction to realizing what we had done for him. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, I, found, I found that uh, it turned out pretty good, honestly. I was impressed with just how much knowledge he retained on his. Cause this yeah, is, um, definitely. We're up to, we're in the, uh, the high 200s, not counting all the stuff they did way before with the uh, ranking of shmups, which I think was in the 300s. Uh, Today I, no, was, it was uh, 224. Yeah, so he did 181 episodes, but he did like three or 400 games. Mm. Um, so he's done a lot. Yeah, and like you said, also there was a ranking of shmups that came before Retro Rank Rhapsody, and I don't know how long that that was. That was like a year or so. Yeah, I think it was the year before he started uh, Retro Rank, and I think it ran 181 episodes. So, um, but yeah, no. It, the nice thing was being able to kind of get back into game development because I put it yeah. away for a long time uh, to focus on getting a job <laughs> and um so it, it was a great experience because uh not only did i remember a good amount of stuff but you were also there to, to uh help kind of re-cement some of the things that either i had learned before or i had learned but just never executed correctly yeah i was kind of surprised honestly with how much i've retained of the language um, and also, also there was just a few things that I've picked up from, uh, say, watching the Worlds of ZZT livestream. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I didn't even know that ZZT still was active. I had figured that oh, way yeah. passed out ages ago. Oh, no, it's, it, it is still very active. In fact, I, I told you the other day, and I haven't brought it up on the, uh, on the show here, but, um, uh, Adrian Sikierka. Uh, came up with a set of, of uh, not Python, Pascal code, which when compiled creates an identical executable to ZZ3, uh, Z, ZZT 3.2. Oh yeah, Tim Sweeney actually did uh, did remark on that, if yeah. I remember correctly. 
he he gave a thumbs up on that, so ZZT is effectively now open source. Yeah, and for those who aren't aware of, uh, have you mentioned ZZT on the program at all? Uh, briefly at some points. I think I've touched a little more on Megazooks, but because uh... yeah. ZZT was one of the original engines that Tim Sweeney of Epic uh, Epic Games had created. Yeah, uh, it was. A... Literally, it was originally a word processor. Yeah, and it became literally the first game that uh, that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and engines too. Yeah, he's basically called it Unreal Engine Zero. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Which and it's it's very interesting to work in. Yeah, it's it's very limited to work in for sure. I think it's like twenty seven yeah. commands in it. Yeah. Um, and it's very strict, um, very strict grammar for those commands. But um, there, there are yeah. some people who made some some amazing things, like um, for Elise, for instance. Um, I don't know if you've seen that game. No. Uh, for Elise is a turn-based dungeon crawl game. Um, with a spell system and an experience system and it's just incredibly detailed and it's also notable aside from being a turn-based game in ZZT it is also a ZZT game that was developed in Megazooks that's cheating (laughs) (laughs) But literally, uh, Lancer X, who made the game, made the editor for For Elise in Megazooks, and then created a ZZT game in Megazooks. That's, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've seen some, I can't remember the person who made it or even the name of the game, but I do remember there was an RPG I played way back in that era, that was 2002, 2003, and uh, all combat, like combat was kind of turn-based, but then you also had the ability to, uh, when you're walking around and in combat, press uh, the arrow keys, and in certain sequence would cause uh, kind of like Saban in Final Fantasy VI. Oh yeah, you had mentioned that in the in the stream. Um, I can't place what that might have been though. Yeah, it's I could swear that I could swear the name was like Loon or something like that, but it's been so many years, eighteen hmm. years now actually. Yeesh. Yeah, it, whenever it's more than like 15 years, I just round it up to a million. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I appreciate it. But, uh, uh, honestly, was... it makes me feel less old. <laughs> ZZT wasn't the only thing that actually did development in. I actually uh, finally published, uh, actually oh. right after we uh, we did the, uh, the ZZT game, I published a Twine game. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then I actually went back to our game and the Twine game and added in little secret stuff. Nice. Uh, uh, that Twine, nobody, nobody's I, found yet. I think I might have tried to use Twine at some point. I literally don't remember. It's surprisingly easy to learn. Um, I actually, my, my whole thing was is I was just going to do like a five passage story. And then that exploded into, God, I think I have like 20 or 30 passages because I started, I wanted to, I wanted to show that I could learn the language beyond just okay. I made a passage, I made uh, a couple of links. 
So, like, if you go through the game, you can, depending on what you look at first, it changes the text. So there's there's a room that has probably like 16 different uh, variants on what text you'll see. Uh, hmm. And then there's a number generator. There's uh, font changing. There's just there's a lot of interesting stuff. And then even a command lock. So I was able to kind of do all these different things because I wanted to I wanted to keep pushing myself beyond that initial point to see okay what can I learn and what can I implement into this. And what it resulted in is something really, really cool. And I'm very, very, very proud of it. I would need to check that out at some point. Um, just for anyone who's not entirely clear on what Twine is, um, maybe some elaboration on that. Yeah, so um, Twine is basically a video game editor. Right. And everything is mostly done in text. I believe you might be able to embed images into it, but primarily it's to generate text-based games. Mm -hmm. And you can do RPGs with inventories, experience point systems. Like, it's very versatile, um, but it works where you, you basically start off with a single box, and it's called a passage. You create the name for the passage, and then in the body you put your code, and then you connect it to the next passage, and so on and so forth. So it's very simple, but you do it is all coding. It's not like Game Maker 2.0, which has its drag and drop mode, yeah. where you can, you know, drag in code and then it makes it all for you. You have to code it yourself. But it's very light. Hmm. I, I would I would have to check that out at some point. I, I feel like I have oh no wait, it wasn't twine that I tried, it was Verve or Verge or something like that that I was thinking of. That was a long time ago, anyway. Um, but it's, it, it is definitely weird, like, how long these very old game creation systems keep, you know, being maintained and being active and having new games made for them, like uh, ZZT, Megzooks, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the official Hamster Republic role-playing game creation engine. No, but that was a lot of words. <laughs> uh, it's usually known as the OHR RPGC, um, mm. which doesn't really shorten it that much. But um, yeah, it, it was originally coded in uh, Quake Basic uh, back in the DOS days, and as far as I can tell, it's still active. Wow. Um, obviously, it's moved away from Quake Basic and DOS. Um, I would hope. But, uh, yeah, there's still people making games for it. There's, for instance, the, um, the Mega Man Sprite comic game, to give okay. one bad example. I think we did that one on Retro Rank. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that the first time that I uh, saw that game was uh, I was watching Grimoth stream it. Mm -hmm. um, R on YouTube and Twitch, or I'd just be Grimith on Twitch. Anyway, um, and for a good example of a game, uh, the fan game Hyper Danganronpa H2O. Mm -hmm. um, that was made in OHR as well. Uh, at first, like, when I, when I started watching Jade play that game, I was like, okay, there is something weirdly familiar about how this looks. 
And then I saw the menus and I was like, holy wow, this is, this is an OHR game, isn't it? So I checked the itch, the itch page for it and yes, it's an OHR game. You know what I, I would like to see make a resurgence, even though it, they were not good at all? What Muds. Muds. Remember, mud, remember Muds? I've never played a Mud, but I'm aware of them. Uh, multi-user oh, dungeons. You missed out on some absolute gems, like spending two hours trying to find somebody to bite you so you could become a snake and join the snake cult. Oh, it geez. was good. Those were good times. <laughs> yeah, I was never in a position to um, to dial into like BBSs and things like that as a kid. So. Yeah. Oh, God. The the early age of online gaming and just online communication in general is such a bizarre wasteland of ASCII characters. <laughs> <laughs> just MIRC, you know, people making macros to spam, you know, images made out of equal signs and arrows and and just yeah, navigating I maps made of dashes. <laughs> In fact, uh, speaking of IRC, I actually did at one point make a game bot for IRC. Oh no. <laughs> um, it was just kind of a simple uh, parlor games type of thing. I okay. programmed in like Millborn and Cribbage and Uno. Um, how, how do you do any of... How, hold on, how do you do those? Do you did the, did you, they were the all ASCII or, or did you do uh, just simple like flavor text kind of thing? Well, it, it was it was all text based. Like, okay. um, you you received your hand through like private notices, and um, you you played cards with you know commands and chat and things like that. And it it was it was fairly involved, and I had even designed it in such a way to be extensible. So if someone wanted to code their own game for the bot, they could do that. Um, Needless to say, nobody ever did. <laughs> but can't believe um, nobody wanted a game of mahjong. <laughs> I could toy totally, toy. I could totally make mahjong for IRC. Don't get me started. Or koi. My, my I, so I'm bad at mahjong, but I really am good at koi koi. And I got really into it when I was watching Slowby play uh, Yakuza, Kiwami, and or was it, I think it was Kiwami had koi koi. And that was, I kind of got really hooked on it through that. In Koi Koi, that's basically Hanafuda type of thing. Yes, exactly. That's, that's it precisely. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I, I'm less familiar with Koi Koi slash Hanafuda. I've played it a little bit. Um, it, it's kind, it, it takes a while to get used to all the different suits and the different combinations you can make. Oh, yeah. But like once you start picking up, you, you start recognizing patterns, which, hey, kind of my thing. Yeah. And, it, and once, once you've got that down, you're pretty, it's a lot easier, I think, than uh, Mahjong or Rummy. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I've, I've been playing Mahjong for a long time. Like I, I was playing it before, long before I even knew how to play it. Um, I, I had a, uh, a multi-cart that had Mahjong games on it, and I was like kind of faking my way through it. Mahjong Solitaire? That's my thing. Person-to-person -person Mahjong? I'm, I'm lost. Just, sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, but when the when this whole coronavirus thing is done, I want to find a local group to play a mahjong game face to face. Uh, or you could always do a tabletop simulator style. I could, yeah, but I have an actual set of tiles, and I haven't properly used them since college. Well. <laughs> like, I've used them for Mahjong Solitaire, but that's not what I bought them for. Yeah, that can only take you so far. You gotta, you gotta get out there, find, find like, one of the uh, many, many Mahjong parlors in, as far in as, Canada. <laughs> as far as I know, there are none in Halifax. <laughs> that there was I think there was a Facebook group at one point I'm not on Facebook so it's just kind of hearsay but ah. it's no longer active that, that's, that is a shame yeah anyhow that's been about 20 minutes um, so I think we've talked for long enough uh, we could... there are 8 members in the group by the way 8 members in what group I found the Halifax Mahjong fans group that has eight members. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> just just enough for two tables. There um, you go. But yeah, um, that's gonna about do it for uh, dialogue box. So it's time for a little bit of music. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that was Ahio Daimetsuka Tehe by uh, Nobuo Uematsu from the Final Fantasy VI soundtrack. And that will round it off for today. I do thank you guys for listening. I also thank Axe Immortal here for being on the show. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, thank you for having me. And where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash axamortal. That's A-X-A-M-O-R-E-T-L. That will also be in the show notes. Yep. I also have a uh, book I wrote back in 2013. It's available right now on lulu.com for only $5. It contains a bunch of short stories and poems that I've written over the years. Uh, and that is called? Uh, it's, it's unfortunately called Blurred Lines and has absolutely no relation to that song. <laughs> I mean... If I had no- if I had known it, there was going to be a popular song with the same name, I wouldn't have named it that. But I so had the name before the song came out. So. It's a blurred line between blurred lines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so but uh, but uh, the link is going to be in the liners. But uh, you can also just search it for blurred lines in a uh, on Lulu.com. Look for the uh, author Scott Christian. There you go. All right, so it is time to close this up uh, the way we usually do. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by myself, Manama Namiki, Noriki Kimikura, Twilight of Defect, Yakov Yaktanen, and Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at 7pm, and press start to continue at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your tunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also leave feedback on the website ckdu.ca, click on Shows, find Square Waves and on the list, and click on Leave Feedback. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or pretty much almost any podcast app that you like to use. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio, if you don't know, along with... Axe Immortal. And I'll see you guys next time. 